0: Hello everyone, my name is Connor Calloway, Dungeon Masters of the duo The Bountiful Bards, and also author of the season series. Um, if this is your first episode with us, uh, hello! Uh, if you're one of the reoccurring listeners, also hello. As you can already tell, this episode is a bit different than what we usually post. In fact, I think we should call it a bit of an interlude, really. You see, uh... Myrna and I have had some personal stuff come up and are currently a little behind in our episode recordings and uploads. At least one episode's worth, judging by my calendar here. We try not to end it this way, but hey, life is how it wishes to be, right? So instead of making a post about skipping a day in our schedule on our Twitter, we came up with the idea where I would take the time to maybe create an interlude episode to talk about all manner of things when it comes to world building. Be it a homebrew for your D&D campaign or a world where you are creating for your very own written stories. I, I hope people listening will enjoy how a fictional world is constructed. And if this isn't your cup of tea, I apologize and hope you have a wonderful few weeks during our break. Now, with all that being said, let's begin. It all begins in nothing. Possibly the hardest part of creating a fictional world is the starting point. Where do you begin when creating a universe? Do you think that the deities and systems of stars and those planets that dance around them, but then the next moment you feel overwhelmed by the immensity of it all? How could anyone ever describe the complexities of godhood while held within the confines of mortality? All right, a bit theatric, I know, but that's going to be kind of the overarching theme here. So, instead of that path, We may also consider the opposite way, planning to start with a single blade of grass and its siblings to either side. A small inn nestled on the green with a clever name, awaiting passerbys on a busy road. Maybe, though, that feels minuscule while compared to everything else. Thoughts of who runs the inn, what town is it in, and what are the relations with all the outsiders and the other townsfolk. That mixed in with the fears of Who would ever care enough to show interest in such a quiet place far from society? Then even still, there is also a starting point can be found in the middle and built outwards in both directions. Like starting with a city and then building where the city is to the country and then every building within the city. It kind of feels like twice the load and there may be a feeling of being on a rope using a game of tug of war. Uh, Okay. That's going to be the end of the anxiety building for this episode, I think. Uh, we certainly already have enough of it going on already, so I want to try and focus on the more positive of all of this, because I know it sounds overwhelming. World building should be fun. A worthy challenge, not a depressing weight. You start with nothing. How on earth are you going to build everything, right? With that being said, let me shed some light on these three aspects. All three paths for creating a world are correct. The right. There's no wrong answer. There's all the paths in between two. Every either way you decide is unique to you, and that's very important. When you're deciding your starting point, don't feel for a second you've selected wrong. How to start homebrewing, or world forging as I like to call it, is different for every creator. You need not even stay in one spot. Bouncing from the little town to the cosmos beyond is not uncommon, and in fact, I personally encourage it. Musicians do not all create music the same way, and the same is true for also painters and sculptors. So what makes us as writers any different? It's not. This is all expression, and the thing that builds that motivation is the uniqueness we pour into it. If it seems we are making something fractured and full of flaws and filled with unanswered questions, the truth is we are. Because that which makes a world enticing and the immersion irresistible is leaving room for those who visit to imagine. So the bones of it. Every river, tree, and stone cannot be created in our fictional worlds. Yes, we can draw maps, but they're only a guide to what is really there, just like our worlds. Brandon Sanderson, in one of his lectures, talked about a thing called the iceberg theory. And it's this concept where the readers and players see the tip of the iceberg that is uh, in a vast sea and know that there is an even larger amount hiding beneath the ocean. When in actuality, there's not. It is an illusion. What is made is made, and if there's more to the kernel we provide to those who are experiencing our creation, it will come from their imagination first, before it comes from ours. The truth is, we are helping others finish the job we have started. Stories are not made by individuals alone. They need an audience to accomplish their destiny. I'm saying this because leaving unfinished thoughts in your world will be far more powerful than growing a field of answers where no one is able to plant their questions. The entire lineage of the king is not required, nor is the explanation of every year of peace between every year of war. I have my own rule to overcome this bit of guilt or worry, which I call a mere handful. Using your hand as a guide. First, I would use my palm to build the big section, say a city. And then from there, I would put five things into it, one for each finger. It could be government, religion, economy, culture, and infrastructure, or it could be palace, church, guild hall, tavern, and road. Trust me, after answering five times to the question... What is this city? That sense of accomplishment will be easy enough to find. Then, have your players and readers ask the next question. From each of those, five, build five more, and so on. Overall, Clearing the Fog is an adventure best journeyed with companions, and not alone. Less is more. I'm sure by now we've all heard the expression, My my wife berates me with it constantly. I could use 10,000 words to describe belief, but who would want to sit through that? I wouldn't, even though I can do it. So think of this. Our audience starts in an inn, the Keeper waiting for their next orders. The air outside is brisk, and many are seeking the fire to pull the cold from their bones. There are mumbles of the seasonal work coming next month. Three hooded figures then enter the main room, and over the next few minutes cause a ruckus the heroes within have to stop. Only after the events will someone ask, wait, what is the name of this inn? What's the name of the owner? My reasoning for explaining this is, it's perfectly fine, in fact encouraged, that the information we created in our worlds is handed out in small portions instead of an entire feast. If all the food is put on display at once, no matter how many mouths there are, some will always go to waste. In our games and our books, those at the table will remain there so long as they are hungry for more. Of course, that can also say that we shouldn't starve them. I like to think a full belly leads to curious dreaming. But the secret to building immersion while presenting your world is is to provide one interesting fact, then wait for at least three questions. It is a system that I have used for five years now and rarely has it led me astray. So everything that I'm going over here really doesn't have that much merit unless I guess I can show how it can be done. So the next part of this interlude is that I'm just going to do some good old fashioned world building right here in the moment and just show how it can be done. How maybe you shouldn't confine yourself to just one sector of this world because in doing so you may hinder your creativity. Now, of course, it's always good to either record yourself saying what you're thinking or writing it down, which is the easier feat, trust me. I uh, I found out which one's easier for me, for sure. So, let's think. Let's start in the middle. Let's have a kingdom. And this kingdom is ran by three monarchs. We'll call them, for now, a placeholder, the Trio. The thing about placeholder names, by the way, is that you will say it enough times to the point that it will become that name and you won't be able to change it. And the trio is easy to remember and it can be used as a subname compared to the the trifactio of acclaimed destinies or something like that whatever you want to name it in long terms. But calling it simply the trio is always easy and helps build to the world building aspect. But back on track, you have the trio over this valley kingdom or in fact, let's make it more of a Open Plains Kingdom, you know, large rolling fields of wild grass where you can watch the wind dance. And mountains in the distance that shield them from the desert beyond. Very Rohirrin feeling, or maybe a little bit flatter than that even. So you see there? Now we already have a the leadership, the, tri, the tri-monarchy. the Well, I guess it can not be called a the triarchy. There we go. And also the kingdom. So we can name the kingdom. Let's call the kingdom... Castian, and on top of that, the capital city of Fela. Okay, then about this point, you start feeling okay, I'm getting a little over my head. All right, maybe I'll focus on something more. Maybe we will focus on where the story will actually start, the adventure will start. Let's pick a village outside the city. You could probably even see the capital city from the village, you know, it's that far enough away because of all the flatlands. Let's call that city. Hmm, take a minute to ponder. Let's call that spot Settledon, which was settled down, but humans or people in society typically call a word something, and then over time it erodes and becomes one word, and that's how a lot of language is created. So in the town of Settledon, there are two inns, each owned by a rivalry-type family, you know, Romeo and Juliet or in america you know the whole mccoy's versus the uh, what was the name of that other family the hatfields exactly so you have two warring families that own the two ends and there is a main road that runs through this city while it heads off to the capital and the two families are always fighting each other and sabotaging each other and it could be up to the players to try and stop them from fighting but why do these people fight like that? Okay, another dead end. So we'll pause there and we'll switch to something else because you want to go to where your inspiration may be taking you. What is the religion of this area? Does the triarchy worship the stars? Do they have a name for each star, seeing them as a god? Or is there a god that actually lives within the city? Let's go with that. There is another individual that is a basically a faceless god, a mute that does not talk that the triarchy will go before and they worship this individual come to find out that this individual may have no political power whatsoever in fact it could just be a statue they worship the statue itself and they think that divine power comes from that and maybe it does maybe this statue actually presents an aura that protects the entire country from an eroding curse that's just beyond the mountains so you see it's perfectly fine to hop all over the place Doing so builds just a blanket of what you're even considering. And then when you get to that first session or that first chapter, you can wait and see what kind of questions come from your adventurers. Well, what started these two families fighting? Well, what are the heads of the two families name? Well, I don't even care much about this town. I want to go to the capital. See what I mean? you can overprepare prepare whenever you're trying to perform any type of Dungeons & Dragons campaigns for anybody or any type of storytelling. Because sometimes, even though you've made such a grand presentation, the players and the readers may want to frolic elsewhere. Of course, the players have more leeway with that than any readers do. So because of that, that's why you kind of want to parcel out the information that you've created. Because you really don't know which way the story's going to go until you get at the table. And you find out that the players actually want to travel 200 miles south to the ocean, build a boat, go off the continent you spend all the time creating, and on another one. I've read that story before. I may flip my table if that were to ever happen. I kid. But you know what? That's probably a good episode for later on about having discussions with your players about the realm that you're going to create for them. And that all of them should you know, respectfully be focused on playing within that realm instead of gallivanting off to some... Unknown parts of our creative minds. I seem to be scattered brain here, but I hope just coming up with that brainstorming session right there in front of you just kind of eases the thoughts when it comes to building these stories. Because after you just spend an hour just brainstorming, you can come back later and expand using, like I said, my palm method. You can or my uh, bare ha- a handful method just to expand. You know, five facts about each of those things that you came up with and then come back later and do five facts more, and so on and so forth. And you will have built a world avoiding the mass amount of anxieties that come with it by the time you've answered probably your own questions five times. Well, that's about all I'm going to be able to provide for today. <laughs> it's a lot of great vagueness, I know, but that, that's the entire point of this episode. You know, vagueness is a very powerful concept so long as it is willing to yield. I hope you've enjoyed this interlude, and if you like it, I can try to post more episodes, getting into the specifics of everything. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter, let us know, and I, all of this I've found through intensive trial and error when creating Cathedra in the Season series, so I hope it eases others' um, exacerbations and brings f- forth that wondrous story hiding deep in our hearts. Maybe in my following episodes, I can focus more on Cathedra and where I came up with those concepts and what they mean in the grand scheme of things without giving away the overarching story. Anyways, have a wonderful day, everyone. Sorry it was so short, but generally people prefer short interludes. As the story goes. Until then.